The following is a sermon podcast from White Ridge Baptist Church. All praise to you, God. We are here for you this morning, and we are here to give your, your name all the praise that we possibly can. And I pray that you would be blessed by this time. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys, I can have a seat. Good morning, church. Hope you're all doing super well. Um, I'm doing all right. Thanks for asking. Uh, I want to welcome you all. Obviously, we want to welcome you here. Uh, If you are new here and if you've never filled out one of those uh, cards that are in the chairs in front of you, we would suggest that you do because we want to get to know you better. And if you're online, uh, there is an app that you can download, and that'll, uh, that'll get you right there. That'll have a welcome here slide that you can just click on and then you can uh, um, let us know who you are. Uh, Alongside that app, there's a lot of information on there, uh, a lot of information of what's happening in this this church, in this place, um, around the world even, because uh, things like missionaries, things like um, things for the Ukraine, uh, but uh, There is some information like, for example, we have a newcomer's lunch this uh, afternoon. If you're new here, if you have registered, it's been announced a couple of times over the last couple of weeks, uh, it'll be happening in the children's ministry at 12.15. But obviously we want to make sure that the children's ministry is empty before we get in there, uh, just for Planet Protect's sake. We want to make sure that the kids have been picked up by their parents before we get in there. So wait in the lobby. Until, uh, until you're uh, given the AOK sign. Now, uh, one of the announcements, as I mentioned, uh, one of the uh, information pieces that you can find on the app is the... Uh, uh, we, we've had uh, a conversation about what's happening in Ukraine uh, for a while now, and um, there have been conversations about fa- uh, displaced families, and uh, we've had some amazing responses of, par- uh, of, of families saying, hey, we want to host some of those families. Uh, families coming new to Canada from the Ukraine. And um, uh, we, uh, we wanted to connect them with those families. And, and so what's happening is uh, families have been, uh, have been hosted. They, they've been, uh, uh, they are taken care of. But you can still be part of what's happening. You can still be part of the journey. So uh, if you head to the app, there will be uh, a slide slide there saying uh, Ukraine Task Force. You can click on that, and there's a sign-up link that you can sign up for, and the task force will get back to you, letting you know what you can do, things that uh, you can journey, partner on uh, with with those families, those host families, and those guest families. So uh, do that. We want to praise God for uh, providing volunteers for our nursery as well. The nursery is finally open, uh, coming July 10th. So not today just yet, but July 10th, the nursery will be open. So parents of little ones, you can just uh, bring those uh, kids back there. And um, yeah, I'm so excited. Thank you for making that priority. Um, thank you to Sheila as well for making that happen. Um, now... We do want to take a moment to celebrate our grads. Uh, we, we've had a couple of celebrations over the last couple of years, and th- uh, this year we already celebrated our 
um, post-secondary grads, which we actually did m uh, miss one. Uh, our uh, Heather Norris, she graduated uh, from a um, post-secondary uh, course uh, uh, pretty recently, last, last week, two weeks ago, something like that. So uh, give it up for Heather Norris. Uh, and I do want to now uh, call up all our high school grads. If you could come up as I call you up. Uh, they're not all here, sadly, but if you are here, we have a little bit of a gift for you. And then you're going you're gonna to come up here. I'm going to uh, give you a gift. You can walk over there. You can have parents take pictures. I'm going to pray for us. And then uh, you can head back down. But without further ado, I'm going to call up Fernando Barrias. Graduated from Dakota College, a collegiate, and accepted in the University of Manitoba Science Faculty. Here you go. Uh, then we have Jamie Adel. Graduated from uh, St. Norbert Collegiate uh, in a few weeks and she's planning on going to University of Manitoba in the, into the Faculty of Science. <laughs> We're going to do the handshake now. Um, uh, Alexandra Clark, I don't know if she's here, uh, went to, uh, graduated from Vincent Massett Collegiate. She, went, uh, she will be going to University of Manitoba for her undergraduate studies and a path to becoming an X-ray technologist. Uh, next up is Anthony Enns. He's, uh, there he is. Graduated from Oak Park High School and is planning to attend Columbia Bible College in the fall. And when he comes back, he's going to be a plumber. Very exciting. Uh, next up, we have Anna Lalden. who graduated from Linden Christian School, and it will be working in the fall, and then a tape, uh, attend a Cape and Ray program in the second semester. Julia Norris. Julia graduated from College Jeunesauve. I'm sorry. Uh, you knew I was going to mess that up. Uh, she'll be starting the business administration program at Red River College in the fall, which is very exciting. And next up, we have uh, Pete Noble. I don't think Pete could be here today. He graduated from uh, Fort Richmond Collegiate, and he's uh, not sure what he wants to do in the fall, and that's okay. That's okay. Next up, we have Benita Otuonye. Uh, she graduated from Fort Richmond Collegiate and uh, um, is going to economics uh, in, the, in the fall at the University of Manitoba. Uh, the next one, Sam Parisian, she was not able to be here either, 
uh, graduated from Colo uh, Dakota Collegiate, accepted into the University of Manitoba Science Faculty. Also not able to make it, uh, Joel Tully is graduating from uh, Linden Christian School and planning a career in Canadian Armed Forces. Also, Benita. Everyone give it up for Benita. All right. And last but not least, Noah Weeb, graduating grade 12. From Vincent Massey, and I'm planning on taking environmental studies at the U of M. Great job, everyone. Great job. If you guys want to come a little closer to the middle of the stage so we can take some pictures. All right. Take some pictures. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you so much for this opportunity to celebrate. Uh, celebrate the lives of, of these young people who are stepping into a new phase in life. Uh, a different, very different phase in life and uh, one that can be very challenging in different ways in uh, trying to know what, what the next steps are and trying to uh, figure out what the steps you're already planning are going to look like. And even in changing those, those uh, plans, um, yeah, as, as uh, life happens, uh, you reveal yourself to us and that usually means that things change very drastically. And I just want to pray for each and every one of these graduates as they're making that step this summer and in the fall, uh, what, what life is going to look like for them, I ask that you would just bless them and, and uh, speak life into them and, and ex let them experience you in new and in fresh ways as they're digging deeper into their relationship with you and into the relationship with each other and the uh, church around them and their friends and their families and uh, people that they haven't met yet. God, we ask your blessing over all of that, and we pray that you would keep them safe. And um, yeah, we, we are so grateful that they're part of uh, this church, and we ask that you would uh, continue blessing us as we care for them as well. We pray these things in your name. Amen. All right, you guys can head down, and then uh, the worship team can come back up. Congrats to all of our grads. Uh, you know, there are a lot of us in this room who've been around long enough to remember very clearly when some of those grads were born. Uh, and it's just been really fun uh, for all of you and some of those who've come more recently for all of you grads. Uh, it's just been really fun to see how God is leading you and guiding you and may you continue trusting in him. Uh, he is always faithful and he will never stop being that. Uh, so again, congratulations. Uh, this, this is my last Sunday here for a couple of months. Uh, I'm going to be on sabbatical. Uh, and one of the things that's weird about that for me is, is uh, even just over a few months, what's going to be strange is that a tenpole of my week 
every week is being together with you guys and, and worshiping God together. And I know that many of you are going to be doing different things over the summer as well, and we won't always be together that way either. Uh, and I would say let's, let's just make, a, make a, a, a commitment together with each other that wherever we are, uh, whoever we're worshiping with, and also during every week and all, during this whole summer, let's commit to continue to put Christ first in everything that we're doing and the things that we're thinking and pursuing. Let's put Christ first because that's what worship is, uh, much more so than just on Sunday mornings. That's what worship is, is putting Christ first. And as we, we sing today, uh, our, our songs that we're, we've chosen for this morning, that's what that's completely about, just about putting Christ first. Let's exalt his name together. I invite you guys to stand and let's give him all of our praise. so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with, with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Amen. Please be reign standing, and we're gonna be reading the scripture this morning from Romans chapter 16 and verses 25 to 27, this incredible crescendo, this final doxology that Paul has given to this incredible Magna Carta called Romans. And so he says, he writes, and now, and now to him, <laughs> and now to him who is able, and now to him who is able to strengthen you, and now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, who is able to strengthen you according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept hidden for long ages but has now been disclosed, according to the prophetic writings that have been made known to all nations, according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith and now to this God, to the only wise God, be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Let us worship God. Oh God, our Savior, Lord God, we crown you Lord of all this morning. Oh Father, you are worthy to receive all the glory and honor and praise and dominion and power for you created all things and by, every, by your word everything was created. Oh Father, we lift you up. You are the only wise God. You are the eternal God. Oh Father, you are the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end and you're worthy to receive all of our praise and we could muster more and still not come anything close to what you deserve oh father you are the God of the nations you have looked down upon this earth and you are gathering a church from every language group every tribe and family on this earth and, and tongue and we thank you Lord God for what you're doing we just ask you that you might include us in your plans that you might look down on us as a church but also as individuals and that we might walk in obedience to you the obedience of faith that we might find the purpose of our lives is found in you O oh Christ and so we exalt you we crown you Lord of all this day and we ask you to receive our praise and we ask it in Jesus name and for his glory amen and amen and God's people said amen thank you you may be seated amen amen 
how good it is to <laughs> come to the end of this book of Romans. It's been an incredible journey. And uh, we're, we may be done with the book of Romans, but the book of Romans is not done with us. Amen. Hey, listen, I just want to share a couple of things with you before we continue. And one of those things is, uh, again, just regarding summer, that uh, starting next week, we're going to get into a summer sermon series called uh, Follow Me as I Follow Christ. We've been really on this disciple-making theme, and we want to look at different Bible characters and study how they followed God and maybe how they didn't and learn from their example. We're going to be um, not live streaming all of the month of July. The reason for that is because we want to give the volunteers a break. So all five Sundays of July, we will not be live streaming, but the sermons will be posted, an audio version of the sermon will be posted right after the, the morning service, except for July the 17th. Why? July 17th, we have some international workers that we support, Nick and Iris, they are co life coaches in East Asia. We can't talk openly about them. We're not going to record that service. But if you come that morning, you will get an up-to-date version of their report on the field and how you can pray and how we can be continuing to support them. That's on July the 17th. Also, as Kevin has mentioned, he's getting ready for a sabbatical. And many people have been asking him, what are you going to do on your sabbatical? Well, I think we've found some of it out. Um, he's going back to his roots, I think. He's going to be uh, getting into 4-H. No, that's not true. I think this was taken at the Brandon Fair. Um, maybe he's going to do this. He's going to get back on the horse and really get back to the farm and start doing it. No, you know that's not true. You know what he's going to do. Yeah. <laughs> All the motorcycle riders are clapping. Okay, you get it. So uh, we do want to pray for Kevin that God will indeed bless him, encourage him, him and Linnell, Josh and Beth, and so may, uh, may they be blessed this, this summer. Amen. Well, um, I'm going to carry on now with the message, and um, sometimes we preachers are not giving you listeners to sermons a clear enough compelling reason to give me 30 or 40 minutes of your time. And that's on us. We don't do that sometimes very well. If I were to wrap up one clear, compelling reason why you need to listen to this sermon, it is because you're not living the God-centered life that God has for you. And because of that, you're not experiencing the full joy of walking right in presence, present tense, active verb, with Him. And that this final doxology, these three verses that Paul ends his big letter on, has got something to say about why you should learn to do that better and some of the ways you can start. I hope that's a compelling enough reason to listen to this sermon this morning and then go home and chew on it some more, talk about it at the dinner table, and, and discuss it on how you can apply it. Have some of you heard of a guy named Arthur Blessett? Anybody? Arthur Blessett, <laughs> I knew Gary would. Arthur Blessett uh, is a man that God told to pick up a cross and walk around the world with. It was 1968. It was in the middle of the hippie movement. It was on Sunset Boulevard in, in Sunset Strip in Hollywood, California. 
And he, was, uh, he had gone there because he just felt compelled to minister to the, the down and outs and the drug addicts and the people that were seeking love but didn't know where to find it. And uh, he became known as the minister of Sunset Strip. And he started a church right next to a strip club. And Jesus was using his ministry to bring people to Christ. And, and the Lord was powerfully active. And all that changed when in 1968 God said, pick up a cross and walk around the world. And so he did. God <clears throat> spoke to him and on Christmas of 1969, he fashioned a physical cross and he carried it around the world. Starting the trek, he suffered an aneurysm that almost took his life. He laid in the hospital and he was told by the doctors that he would have to stop all physical activity and he figured his mission for life was over. And then as he laid in that hospital bed, uh, an aha moment, a God moment came to him. This incredible realization, a profound thought came to him and, and, the, and the thought was this, that the circumstances, the circumstances should not alter the call. And so he went, when he got out of the hospital, went back on the road with the cross. <clears throat> and he continued on, trusting that God who called him could sustain and strengthen him. And God did. And in the following 51 years, okay, from 1969, continued to walk. In 2019, at the age of 78, he had visited every nation, every major island group, every territory. He had walked over 43,000 miles around the globe at least one and a half times. And he had come to be in the Guinness World Book of Records for the longest pilgrimage ever accomplished, not because he applied, but someone else did. He did not do this for self-glory. He did it to make known and to draw attention to the name of Jesus Christ. And indeed, he did. And he went off and he, he said at one point, this wood, the cross that he was carrying, he said, this wood is my friend. He'd learned how very intimately connected he was to Jesus Christ of the cross. Now when I was at Bible college, it was called Winnipeg Bible College, it's now called Providence College, we had Arthur Blessed come. I was on the student council and we invited him to come and share in a youth encounter. I think it was 1979, it might have been 1980. And we had hundreds of young people from Northern Ontario and Manitoba and Saskatchewan and so on. And Arthur Blessed came and shared with us and I got to talk to him a little bit and share and um, he actually asked one of our, uh, my friends to walk with him and so he got permission to go and walk with Arthur Blessed in some other country. And I remember one of the stories that Arthur Blessed shared in that youth encounter back in 1979. He said that he had a friend who owned a boxing ring <laughs> and he asked him if he would be allowed to preach sort of half time in the evening and the guy said no you're not going to preach at my boxing ring you know but finally after just pressing on and, and, and not giving up the guy agreed that after the final bell of the final match he could get up into the ring and he could preach to whoever wanted to stick around so Arthur Blessed waited patiently in the wings and as soon as the final bell for the final match rung and the uh, the, the boxers were uh, exiting the ring and the people were getting up and walking out of the, the stands. 
He jumped up into the ring, he grabbed the microphone, he pulled it down, and he said, and now the main event. And everybody's going back to their programs and looking and seeing what's going on. And then he repeated it, and he said, and now the main event, God versus the devil. And people, just because of his approach, many of them sat down, and they listened to him preach. And many of them came to know Christ because he shared the good news of how Jesus Christ sets people free. And when the Son sets you free, you can be really free, free indeed. I share that story because that's kind of reminding me of what Paul is doing in the final doxology. And that's why I read the scripture the way I did with the drum roll. Because he's saying, and now he's coming to that big crescendo, that big conclusion. The final part of the doxology, this book of Romans, punctuates this incredible letter of Romans with a a message of relevance for us to hear. And I don't want it to escape us as we look at it. In these few verses, Paul is underlining the fact that your life is all about God. In fact, the entire book of Romans has been about God. In fact, Paul mentions the name God 153 times in the book of Romans. That's more than he mentions the to be verb 113 times. This book of Romans, of course, the whole Bible is saturated with God, and yet so often we read this book and we don't recognize the God-centeredness of it just as we live our lives day in and day out not recognizing that we are, are meant to live God-centered lives. And so in this incredible scripture, Paul is talking about how to do that and how to do it well. In this doxology, there's an outline that I would like to share with you, four questions that Paul answers. It's who and what and how and why, and he's going to talk about them in that order, and I'm going to start with who. Who is Paul talking about in verses 25 to 27? Well, he starts, he says, and now to him. But the thing that's interesting is he doesn't go on and get back to who he's talking about until verse 27. We don't know who he's talking about. He talks about what the hymn does for us, but he doesn't get back to to talk about who he's talking about until verse 27. And then we understand he's talking about the only wise God. Now to him, who? The only wise God. There are some things that will only be done in your life because the only wise God will do them for you. And so only the only wise God can accomplish what is, what is between verse 25 and verse 27. Only the only wise God can do that for you. Let's move on to talk about what the only wise God is able to do. And so we get on to the what. It says in the scripture, in verse 25, that the only wise God is able, the word is dunamis, where we get our word dynamite from, God is powerful enough to do what? To strengthen you, he says. Now, Paul packs an incredible amount of freight in just that one verb, 
strengthen. The word sterizo means to make fast, establish, fix firmly, prop up. God is able to prop you up. God is able to establish and strengthen you, make you stand firm, ground you. It's translated in so many different ways depending on the context. Let me share some other scriptures where Paul uses it. Romans chapter 111, when he began this letter, he said, for I long to see you all, you Romans, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you, sterizo. I want to strengthen your faith. He uses it in 1 Thessalonians 3, may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as, you, as we do for you so that he may establish your hearts, strengthen your hearts, blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. In 2 Thessalonians 3, but the Lord is faithful. He will establish you. He'll prop you up. He'll strengthen you. He'll cause you to stand and guard you against the evil one. But Paul's not the only one that's fond of this word. Peter is also fond of this word. In 1 Peter 5.10, he says, And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has caused you, called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. And he uses another word there that means to lay the foundation for you or ground you in it. And so... Paul is very, or Peter is very clear on this word as well. And the reason that Peter was speaking this way wasn't just because he was under divine Holy Spirit inspiration, but because he had had an experience with Jesus that taught him that Jesus was able to sustain and strengthen and prop him up. Do you remember where it was? It was at the Last Supper and we, found this, we find this incredible scripture in Luke 22. Jesus turns at the table. He turns to Peter. He looks Peter in the eye and he says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he may sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. You see, what was happening was Peter was getting proud Peter was thinking that he didn't need anybody to prop him up. He was pretty good on his own. He could stand on his own. And you know what happened later that evening. He denied knowing Jesus Christ three times. And Peter had to learn a very hard lesson. What was Jesus teaching him here? Jesus was saying to him, Satan has come along to the sovereign God, and he's put in a request. He's saying, let me get at Peter just like he did in the Old Testament with the book of Job. And God said, okay, I'll let you go this far. But Jesus said, but I've prayed for you, Peter, just like the Bible says in eight, Romans 8.34 that, that the Lord Jesus is interceding for you and I as well. And what is he interceding for Peter on? He's interceding that his faith would not fail. What is he praying for you about? He's praying for you that your faith would not fail. You know, the, the, the prayer requests that you might raise to God may not be on the top of Jesus' prayer list for you because the most important thing for him, for you, is eternally that your faith would not fail. And so this incredible 
testing comes against Peter. And why is it that Jesus prayed for Peter that his faith would not fail? Because he said, after I'm done with you, you need to strengthen your brothers. You need to prop them up. You're a leader, Peter. I'm counting on you to lead the 12. Jesus is saying the same to you and I. He is going to come along day by day to prop you up, to strengthen you, to make it so that your faith would not fail. You know, denying Jesus three times, Jesus did not evaluate that failure as a failure of faith. He tripped, he tripped, he fell, but it was not a final faith fall. And Jesus said, and after you have turned back, he says, when you have turned back, not if, when you have turned back, Jesus was so convinced Peter was going to turn back. He was going to repent. He was going to turn back to God. He says, strengthen your brothers. Can you think of anybody that God is strengthening you for because they need to be strengthened by you? Can you think of anybody? I bet you that somebody's come to mind right now. You need to tuck that name away for after the sermon. You need to tuck that name back in your in your prayer chest and you need to lift them up and you need to maybe think about what God's agenda for you is that as he's strengthening you so that your faith stays strong it's because he needs you to strengthen that person don't forget whoever the Holy Spirit has brought to mind and so incredible incredible passage it's like the passage of Isaiah in chapter 42 verse 800 years earlier, it says in the scripture, a bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. What does that say about the kind of God that we worship? It says that God is so gentle, God is so, so attentive to you, so that you would not fall, that your faith would not fail, and he's coming alongside of you to strengthen you. An old Anglican preacher from the 1700s, um, John Barrage said this, I'm not able to walk a step without my crutch. The wood of it comes from Calvary. My crutch is Christ, and a blessed crutch he is. Oh, let me lean my whole weight on him while I am walking through this wilderness world. Can you, can you own that? Yeah, we're weak. The posture that Paul is calling for is the kind of posture that says, I am weak, but thou art strong. I am weak. I am vulnerable. I need Jesus every day. And maybe you feel weak and vulnerable today. Maybe many forces have come against you even this past week. I want to remind you this morning that if God is for you, who could be against you? He who did not spare his own son but freely gave him up for us all, how will he not also freely give you all things? He's already done the big stuff. He's given his son. He's gonna make sure that he strengthens a people in the name of his son for his glory. And so all things, the all things of Romans 8, 31 and 32 refers to anything that you need to keep your faith feet grounded and keep on walking with him. And the best posture that you could ever have is a humble heart, a broken and contrite spirit God will never despise. He opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And so he is able to strengthen you in the midst of physical suffering and death. 
He is able to strengthen you in the midst of emotional turmoil, marital strife, and life transitions and family crisis. He is able to strengthen you in the midst of financial pressures and joblessness. He is able to strengthen you in the midst of temptations that war against your soul. There's not one enemy that could come against you that is a surprise to God and in which he could not strengthen you through it for for the ability to stand firm. Because the Bible says... He is able. He's got the power to strengthen you. Another doxology that is so powerful from Jude chapter 1, 24. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forevermore. Amen. Isn't it good? These, these incredible gold mines of benediction and doxology that God's given us in his word that packs a punch. So the question is, who's going to do this? It's the only wise God. What is he going to do? He's going to make sure that you don't fall. Your faith does not fail. He's going to strengthen you and cause you to stand. But how is he going to do that? He says there's five answers, actually, in this little portion. There's five answers, and the first one, he says, is it's according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ and the revelation of the mystery disclosed and the prophetic writings and the command of the eternal God. But guess what? In terms of historical chronology, you gotta, you got to study them in reverse because the command of eternal God was the first in historical sequence that had to happen for you to be strengthened in your faith. And so the first thing, verse 26, is that God's eternal, the eternal God was, was there with you and he commanded that, that something happen. What he commanded was that a whole bunch of Old Testament prophets, guys like Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Amos, Jonah, that they would pick up quill and pen and write something that they had never dreamed of writing. And, and, it, and they would be writing about the revelation of a mystery that had been kept hidden for ages. The word is used, long ages, is, is chronos, chronological, and ion, the ions of time. And he says, for a long, long time, they didn't know anything about this. And even as they picked up their pens, these Old Testament prophets, they only saw as in a mirror dimly some of the stuff that they were writing about. The Messiah, the Christ who would come. How would God cause a people to stand? He would only give the Old Testament prophets so much light as as they wrote. But as they wrote, he began to make clear the gospel the good news of this Jesus Christ, who in the fullness of time came, and he was preached among the nations. And one of the people that heard that preaching was a man by the name of Saul of Tarsus, the Apostle Paul. And he, he, was, he was told about Jesus Christ. He met him on a road where he was going to persecute the church. And because he came to know this Christ and this gospel, he then could write to the Roman church and he says that God is going to establish you and set you free according to my gospel, he calls it. The gospel he had just written 16 chapters about. So Paul is saying here 
that according to God's command, the prophets of old wrote about the mystery of Christ that was kept hidden to the nations. And then as they made it known in the fullness of time, Christ was made known, came to the earth, and the gospel of Jesus Christ was preached in the power of the Holy Spirit, and a whole bunch of people came to know him from every nation, every ethnos, and you and I are recipients of that, that gospel, that Christ that came who died, was buried, rose from the dead, ascended into heaven, and is right now praying for you interceding for us. How is he interceding? He's interceding that your faith will not fail. That your faith will not fail. Whatever life brings you, whatever circumstances bring you, whatever petition Satan puts in to the sovereign God against you, your faith will not fail. Why is he doing this? Well, he's doing it to bring about the obedience of faith. Why does God do all that he's done in, in salvation history? It's so that he would have a people that bring to God the fruit of a life of obedience. But it's a certain kind of obedience. It's the obedience of faith. It's not the obedience of knuckle down and try harder and and just double down on things and maybe you'll make it kind of faith. It's not a self-righteous faith that is independent of God's ways. It's a faith that trusts and, and depends on the faithfulness of the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. <clears throat> you said yes to Jesus Christ one day. I hope you did. And when you said yes to Jesus Christ, you, you stood at the altar and you said, I, sinner, take thee, Jesus, to be my husband. For better, for worse, sickness, and so on. Well, that was easy for you. <laughs> but he, he also said, for better, for worse, in sickness and in health, rich or poor. And he's committed to you to make you stand, to cause you to, to be strengthened in your faith. But the lesson that you must learn and relearn over and over again is that you cannot offer an obedience to God based on your own merit or your own strength or your own ability. That you cannot live the Christian life. You will need to learn that lesson over and over and over again. You cannot live the Christian life. There's only one who can live the Christian life, and he did it 2,000 years ago. Christ lives the Christian life. And if you're going to bring the offering to God of an obedience of faith, you must have Jesus Christ living in you, for you, as you, because it is not your strength that will overcome And the moment that you start thinking that it is your strength, you're close to falling in some capacity, whether it's through the sins of the flesh or the sins of the spirit. And so Jesus Christ offers us himself to bring about the obedience of faith. That's why God made the eternal command. That's why he sent the holy prophets. That's why the mystery was made known. That's why Jesus Christ came to the earth. That's why the gospel was preached. That's why the church was equipped. That's why they were sent out. That's why you heard the message. That's why you responded to the eternal God because he's asking you to bring forth an offering of of obedience, the obedience of faith. 
And the conclusion is that it would be for his glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. The more people that submit to the living God and the more people that acknowledge the glory of God, the more glory God receives. You don't make him more glorious by acknowledging him. He is already as glorious as he ever will be. But more people bringing more glory to God exalts him in the eyes of all the world. Like the shorter catechism said, the the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. You see, the offering that God wants is not a begrudging obedience, but a glad obedience, a glad obedience. Because you're gonna constantly throughout your Christian life test and see that some of those ways are not good and that God's ways are actually more glorious, more joyful, more fulfilling. He wants a glad obedience. John Piper said, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. Now I wanna conclude the message uh, on Romans, this last sermon on the book of Romans. And I'm, I'm gonna take you to a place that is very personal. And I want you to go there with me in your mind's eye, in your own reflection. I want you to go to a place of asking yourself if you are living a God-centered life and that in the center of your life there is the peace and the quietness and the contentment of just living the life that God has given you with absolute contentment. Are you doing that? And to help you do that, I want to just share with you a question. Is it possible for people to miss their lives in the same way that one misses a plane? Is it possible for you or I to miss our lives the way that someone misses a plane? The answer is yes. This question was posed by an author the name of Walker Percy in a book called The Second Coming. And he describes a character in this novel of a man who missed his life, lived his entire life, and missed being in the moment where God wanted him to be. He writes about this guy, he says this. He says, not once in his entire life had he allowed himself to come to rest in the quiet center of himself, but had forever cast himself forward from some dark past he could not remember to a future which did not exist. Not once had he been present for his life, and so his life had passed like a dream. You see, it is possible every one of us have our distractions our demons maybe. Every one of us have obsessions. Every one of us suffers from restless heart syndrome. And these can rob us of the abundant life that Jesus came. I love what Eugene Peterson says in one of his books when he describes the difference between a restless life and a life at rest. And he uses the two Greek words for time to describe it, chronos and kairos. Here's what he says. He says, if we are dominated by a sense of chronos, 
The future is a source of anxiety, leeching energy from the present, or leaving us whiningly discontent with the present, like the child who can't wait for Christmas. But if we are dominated by a sense of kairos, the future is a source of expectation that pours energy into the present, an obsession with chronos, rigid schedules and carefully planned timetables, is a defense against God's kairos the unexpected and the uncontrolled mysteries of grace. Like Arthur Blessed, God sometimes comes and he interrupts your good plans. (laughs) You've got good plans, perhaps. Sometimes God comes along and he interrupts your good plans. He interrupts them, and he says, are you willing to pick up the cross that I've crafted for you? Are you willing to take a detour? You might find out 51 years later that it took all of life to finish the pilgrimage that he had you on. But are you willing to do that? If we would just learn to trust God in the moment instead of living from the past or waiting for the future in anxiety, you would find that God is the God of the moment and he's able to strengthen you and cause you to stand, to prop you up, whatever life brings you. And so my prayer for us is that God, the God who was and is and is to come, that this God may be the center of your life and that you would live out your chronos days conscious of the kairos God, that he would meet you at every turn the God who has promised to never leave you or forsake you, the God who is able to strengthen you and establish you and sustain you and prop you up for anything that comes along, may you give his, your, him your glad obedience and may you find that in doing that you bring him more glory. Amen. All praise to you, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You are our Savior, you are our Redeemer, you are our friend and we give you praise. You are the glorious and faithful and perfect crutch that we lean on, and your faithfulness has no end, and your goodness has no end, and your grace and your mercy has no end. And we lean on you, Lord, so that you can help us to continue to put you first. Please shape us, please embolden us, please grow us and use us, and may we walk in obedience Lord, because of that, and may many, many more praise you much, much more for all of eternity. All glory to you forevermore, Jesus. Amen. My friends, have a wonderful day. God bless you.